This is the Meet Me at the Spot podcast, where we meet at the intersections of sexual health and the world around us. Each week, we will discuss sexual health current events, politics, social justice issues, and more. Get excited because it is time to start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Meet Me at the Spot podcast. My name is Holly. We have a lot to get into today, so let's not waste any time. I first want to start off by checking in with everybody. Hopefully, you have had a good week. I have had kind of a chaotic week. I'm not even going to lie to you. So I've been dealing with a sick toddler, which has not been very fun. I have been fortunate, though, to be a part of a couple of really great events around reproductive justice in the past week. So Tuesday, I was asked to speak on a panel at a local college. Student activists on the campus are advocating for an OBGYN who can perform abortions and provide abortion medication on campus. And they asked me to speak on a panel to talk about the importance of this and to talk about reproductive justice as a whole. I also was part of an event last week for an organization I'm a part of, and I'll talk more about that in a future episode. Uh, We had a local coffee shop have a fundraising event, and they donated the funds to our organization, which was awesome. We got to have a lot of fun, talk to people about sexual and reproductive health and about condoms and lube. And we got to watch people do really cool latte art. It was a latte art competition. So it was really a fun event. And it was a lot of great awareness around sexual and reproductive health last week. This week, as I mentioned, uh, is condom week. And as you're hearing this podcast, Valentine's Day, Galentine's Day, Singles Awareness Day, just another Tuesday or Monday has come and gone. And hopefully you were able to celebrate if that meant with someone else or just by yourself. uh, And hopefully you were able to celebrate safely. I want to talk about a couple of public health issues that are going on right now and have connections to reproductive health. And so The first one I want to talk about is the the situation in Ohio currently. So on February 3rd, a train derailed in Ohio that had been carrying chemicals and combustible materials. There was an evacuation. Residents have been allowed to return as chemical levels are considered below levels of concern. Residents have reported an increase in dead fish and animals. And many residents have been complaining of headaches and feeling sick since this incident happened. This is still ongoing. And the scary part is we don't know the impacts of these chemicals on folks' health and also on their reproductive health. We also must recognize when situations like this happen that relocating is a privilege And not everyone can afford to take advantage of this opportunity to relocate and get out of a dangerous situation. We see very similar things happen when there's hurricanes or tornadoes or flooding where we ask ourselves, why didn't the people just leave? Because it takes a lot to just leave. And keep in mind, 
leaving somewhere and relocating for a certain amount of time and usually unknown leads to people not being able to access care and reproductive care and has a lot of long lasting impacts that we don't talk about or focus on. So our hearts are going out to folks in Ohio as this continues to get cleaned up and investigated. And I don't know that we'll know all of the effects of this anytime soon, but our hearts are with those of you who are in the area and are being impacted by this. Another public health issue that I want to address is mass shootings. So at the time of this recording, the U.S. has experienced 67 mass shootings this year alone. And mass shootings is defined as four or more people that are injured or killed, not including the gunman. I can't even find the words right now to describe the pain that gun violence causes. I feel like so many events keep happening that A, we don't even hear about most of mass shootings that are happening right now in our country. And also, we can't even grieve one mass shooting event before the next one happens. We have no time to process and to try and even take action because they are just one right after the other. Gun violence is a growing issue in this country and must be addressed. Disrespectfully, I want to say, fuck your thoughts and prayers at this point. We need policy changes now. I am going to encourage us to all be pushing our elected officials at every single level to act on this. As election season is starting to come upon us, as off-cycle elections may be happening in your area, we need to be pressing these folks about their stances on gun reform. The answer is not more police. The answer is not this loosey-goosey gun reform. The answer is providing resources for our communities, especially those who are most marginalized. The answer is strict gun regulations. No civilian needs an AR-15, like point blank, period. The answer is accessible and affordable mental health care and many more. There is no one solution because there is no one cause. And the problem is guns. The, that's the problem. The problem is the guns. We need to start wrapping our heads around that. And, and we need to start doing that quickly before the next mass shooting occurs. We all deserve to live and raise our families in safe environments, free from violence. And in this country, there is no place immune to gun violence. As a mother, this is honestly heartbreaking. And it's really scary to bring a child into this world and knowing that at some point I am going to have to let her Be on her own without me and trust that she is safe. We must not become desensitized to this form of violence. We need action now. We needed it years ago, but we need it right now. 
In honor of Black History Month, today's episode will be focused on the impacts of racism in sexual and reproductive health and celebrating Black leaders in the reproductive health world. So we first must acknowledge that Black history in reproductive health is racist as fuck. And the timeline of racism in reproductive health dates back to the colonization of this country. This episode would be insanely long if we went through every single example of racism in sexual and reproductive health. So I want to spend this episode highlighting some major events. Starting back in the 1800s, black women, both enslaved and free, were sexual property to white men, and many had children that were sold off. Black bodies have been property in this country since black bodies were stolen and brought to this country. This is a prime example of early sex trafficking in this country. When slavery ended, many black women became midwives, which threatened white male doctors who saw themselves as superior as they had access to education and the ability to practice within hospitals with what was then considered modern technologies. So white male physicians would talk about black midwives as dirty and disgusting and really trying to tarnish the reputation that black midwives had. And black midwives were a thing even during slavery. Keep in mind about that. This ideology and this movement led to the abortion and contraceptive bans that we are still seeing today. Abortion and birth control was legal before slavery ended. So many birthing technologies and procedures were developed as a direct result of experiments on black women, most often without their informed consent. Another example of racism in reproductive and sexual health throughout history is Planned Parenthood. Now, many people are unaware of the racist beginnings of Planned Parenthood and how those practices have led to medical mistrust and distrust even today. Many folks may be familiar with the name Margaret Sanger, as she has been praised as being a pioneer for contraceptive rights, defying the laws about distributing information about contraceptives, and even landing herself in jail for opening a birth control clinic, which was illegal at the time. And while in jail, It is reported that she was educating people about birth control. However, what most people don't realize is that Sanger was a huge proponent for eugenics. In 1926, she spoke to the uh, Women's Auxiliary of the KKK at a rally in New Jersey to promote birth control methods. Sanger also endorsed the 1927 Buck v. Bill decision where the Supreme Court ruled that states could forcibly sterilize people deemed quote-unquote unfit 
without their consent and sometimes without their knowledge. The acceptance of this decision by not only Sanger, but other leaders laid the foundation for tens of thousands of people to be sterilized, often against their will. And this is just the beginning of a long history of racism in sexual reproductive health. We need to also talk about sterilization laws, the Tuskegee syphilis study, all the way back to Henrietta Lacks, the HIV AIDS crisis specific to black gay men, Flint's water crisis, and the continued racist ideologies being upheld in medical systems and medical education today. I am speaking of these examples and issues as if they were in some distant past and they do not have any impact. And we know that's not true. Many of the experiments on black people, specifically black women, happened in our lifetime. As in, there are women alive today who have been experimented on or who have gotten medical services without their informed consent. We can celebrate the successes and the advancements, especially for black people in this country, and we need to recognize that these successes came at a huge cost with lasting impacts. When we have a maternal mortality rate that is three times higher in black women compared to white women, when we have medical students and professionals believing the idea that black people feel less pain and therefore do not need the same medication regimen as their white counterparts, when we still have medical professionals believing that black patients are more likely to abuse prescription medications so they hesitate to prescribe them, we cannot just say this is in the past and we don't need to worry about it anymore. We have to continue to do better and advocate for policies and legislation that work to continue advancements in addressing racism in reproductive health. All right, let's take a shift and celebrate three amazing Black leaders in this movement. There are way more than three, of course, but in the spirit of keeping my episodes to about 30 to 40 minutes in length, I specifically chose these three. I'm going to give some highlights and also I will include links so you can learn more about each person. Uh, They will be in the show notes as well as my link tree. I want to first start with talking about Yamani Yansa Hernandez. Yamani has over 25 years of experience in nonprofit organizations across various sectors. She was the first Black executive director of the National Network of Abortion Funds, which provides economic assistance for those who need abortions. She is currently the interim executive director at Groundswell Fund. Yamani has a passion for bodily autonomy regardless of age. She has been a vocal advocate for reproductive justice. Next, I want to highlight Elaine Brown. Elaine was the first woman to lead the Black Panther Party from 1974 to 1977. 
Elaine joined the Black Panthers shortly after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. She contributed greatly to the party and the movement as a whole. She shed light on the Black women's struggles, including the need to fight for reproductive rights, and continues to advocate to this day. Brown helped set up the first Free Breakfast for Children program in L.A., as well as the Free Busing to Prisons program and Free Legal Aid program. She left the party when the former leadership had returned and ordered the beating of a woman member. Elaine ejected the negative attitudes towards women in the party. Lastly, I would like to highlight Faye Waddleton. Faye is a nurse who saw many inequities within reproductive care. She became the first Black American president of Planned Parenthood Federation of America. She was the youngest and only second woman to hold the position. She established the Planned Parenthood Action Fund, which is a political arm of Planned Parenthood. She saw the need of having a political presence to advance access and defend reproductive rights. During her 14-year term, she helped secure federal funding for birth control and prenatal programs, fought against efforts to restrict abortions, and helped legalize the sale of RU-486, which is most commonly known as mifepristone, a medication used in combination with mesopristol for medication abortions. As a white woman, I want to recognize the pain and death Black people have faced and continue to face in all aspects and especially around reproductive and sexual health. I want to also continue celebrating amazing Black leaders in this fight for reproductive justice for all. I'm super interested to know who your favorite Black leaders are in reproductive justice or reproductive health. I'm going to have a poll on Instagram for you to let me know. I will also highlight the three leaders that I talked about in this show, as well as some other key leaders in the movement. As a reminder, I am on Instagram and Twitter, and my handles are in the show notes. talk about this week's word of the week. I feel like this needs a jingle for this this little section. Anyone who is good at writing jingles, let me know. Reach out to me and let's work something out. This week's word is around a fairly odd controversy on social media right now. My social media at least around the term cisgender. So the last week or so, I have seen an onslaught of people arguing against using the word cisgender and how offensive it is and leads to the erasure of women. While I try really hard to approach differing opinions with an open mind, I am really struggling to understand this one, especially with the arguments being had on social media. Let's define cisgender first. 
So cisgender is defined as a person whose gender identity corresponds or aligns with the sex that they were assigned at birth. Often used is the shortened version of this word, which is cis, spelled C-I-S. Cisgender was coined as a term in 1994 and entered into dictionaries in 2015. I want to remind folks that cis is not a pronoun, it is an adjective. Also, I think it's important to remember that sex and gender are not the same thing. And gender can change over time. Cisgender is often referred to as the opposite of transgender. When we put it this way, we create binaries, and that often leads to an assumption that people have to be one or the other. And the reality is not all folks feel affirmed with either term and may identify in a different way altogether. The beautiful thing about language is that it is always evolving to be more inclusive. While we increase inclusivity, it does not take away anything from folks who have always considered themselves to be the quote-unquote default. Many people, specifically female-presenting folks, have started taking a lot of offense to being referred to as cisgender, along with other inclusive terms such as pregnant person and chest feeding. And I want to be very clear. No one is forcing anyone to use these terms for themselves. As a content creator and educator, I strive to use inclusive language because I know my audience isn't just one person. I don't make content for just one person. When I use terms like cisgender or pregnant person, in no way is that invalidating people who refer to themselves as women, for example. Instead, this works to create space for conversations to happen with people who experience pregnancy who do not identify as women. So for me, When I'm using the term woman, in my mind, I'm meaning all women, trans, cis, non-binary, agender, etc., etc. Not everyone thinks in that way, and sometimes I need to be specific in referring to cis women as an example. I want to take this moment to invite all cisgender folks to recognize our privilege in various systems such as healthcare, employment, housing, and education, to name a few. It's important to remember that privilege is complex, and we have privilege based on numerous different identity categories. So for example, while a white transgender man may experience discrimination for being trans, he still has certain advantages over people of color and women because he's both white and a man. I also think it's important to mention that there are many nuances with the term cisgender as it relates to intersex people. Sex assigned at birth is often seen as a binary model of either male or female without considering the many naturally occurring variations in sex chromosomes and genitals. Often we see this being used to normalize infant genital surgeries, 
and or hormone treatments to force someone into the male-female binary, obviously without their consent and often without their knowledge. As a wrap-up, please check out the resources in the show notes and my link tree for more information on all the topics discussed today. I want to remind y'all that I do have an anonymous question box link that allows folks to ask questions about sexual and reproductive health topics to be addressed on this podcast. I'm also working on creating a form for anyone who is interested in being a guest on a future episode of this podcast, and I'll be working on that, and I'm trying really hard to get it ready for next week's episode so I can talk more about it then. But if you are interested in being a guest, please feel free to reach out to me. I would love to have you on. You do not need to have any podcasting experience or any sort of qualifications whatsoever. I just love talking to people and would love to have more folks on the show. Keep loving on yourself and one another and never stop fighting for equity in the reproductive justice world. Until next week, bye! thank you so much for listening to this week's episode make sure you're following me on instagram meet me at the spot podcast do you love the show and want to support the podcast well check out the show notes for all the ways to support the work i do all links related to today's episode can also be found in the show notes help others find this podcast by following me and leaving a review and also spread the word on social media. See you next week when we meet at the spot.